Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. Like Leeds against Bristol Rovers last season, we're trying to cope without the help of an angry midget on the Square Ball podcast this time. That's right, Michael's gone on holiday. So we're phoning some of our lovely listeners instead to get your thoughts on the slightly underwhelming end to the season. Hello to you. Welcome to the 29th Square Ball podcast. I'm pleased to join you. This time, as you may well be aware, no Michael Normanton. It's like the Beatles without Ringo. But I am joined by Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie's here. Hello. And we will be speaking to lots of podcast listeners a little bit later on. We're even roping Michael in as well, to be fair. Well, yeah, to be fair, we are going to spoil Michael's holiday right now, so let's get him on the phone. Hello! Evening. How's your holiday? Have we ruined it for you yet? Not not just yet, almost. We'll see how we are by the end of this. Where is the um, <laughs> the uh, lovely Luciano? Um, she is asleep at the minute, actually, in the, in the, uh, in the other room. Thankfully, the, the hypno has taken effect and I'm <laughs> able to do this podcast. Yeah, there might not be any more podcasts after this involving you if she catches you doing this. No, unless Amelie has got decent Skype service, I reckon this is my last. Right, well, let's, uh, let's crack on with the, uh, the important business then rather than making this uh, polite small talk. This is just like Football Weekly, isn't it, and dialing into Sid Lowe in Spain. Let's not talk about Leeds. Are we actually going to do it? Well, you just tell us what you've been doing on holiday. Have yeah, you, might, have you made be, the playoffs? It might be more joyful, yeah. <sighs> right, let's, Go on then, let's get on with it. Let's, let's do get it on with it. So like, just, to, just to recap, there are four games in this fortnight. God. Uh, we lost at Derby, we drew at home to Watford, we drew at home to Reading and we lost to Crystal Palace. Four games, no victories. Good times, good times. Happy days. Two out of 12. Great stuff. So yeah, all four of us, if you listen to the last podcast, will be aware that we all went down for a lovely day out at Derby together. Did we not? It was a nice time we had, didn't we? A very good time. A lovely day out. Spoiled by a bit of football. The uh, chips beforehand were delightful. The booze in the chip shop was <laughs> exciting. That was good. That and was amazing. Nice bit. Yeah. To fill the listener in, we, we found a chippy next door to a pub, conveniently enough, and it was selling booze, wasn't it? It was. Uh, as well as chips. Not any, not any booze, Bailey's. Yeah. yeah, and um, High Commissioner, which is, I believe, is the worst of the whiskies. But, um, it's nice yeah. to have the option. And the ironic chance from the Derby fans saying Leeds is a shithole yeah. and they've got a chippy with a boozer in it. That, to be honest, that's the one element of Derby I was jealous of. <laughs> it's also worth pointing out that when we went to this game that we actually stood in order, didn't we? I didn't realise this until afterwards, that we in, in the order that I normally introduce us, obviously I start talking first in the podcast, then I introduce you, Michael, and then Moscow, and then Oddie, that we were actually stood in that order 
uh, at Derby. No, we were, we were in that order in the car on the way back as well. It's like we just resolved ourselves into <laughs> into the, the right positions. Is it true that we also made Oddie go and get our chips when we stayed in the pub? No. <laughs> oh, you, you, made it, you made it sound like you were subservient. <laughs> Right, let's talk about the football, and if we possibly can. Uh, if you cast your mind back, we uh, had Livermore in the side, and Bannon was in the side, but it was out wide, and all sorts of strange stuff going on. It was a very tight game, wasn't it? And it, it seemed to have draw written all over it, but uh, we managed to undraw it, didn't we? I thought we were doing fine until we scored, and that's mm. when it all went wrong. I thought if we just kept on without scoring until the last minute, and then nicked the goal, everything would have been fine, and we'd all have been happy. We'd probably be promoted by now. But um, as soon as we scored, they just panicked. In our usual fashion. Mm-hmm. Two quick goals against. Livermore's fault, the first one. We can't stress that enough that it was uh, Livermore's. Livermore was to blame entirely. Just because he's not our player, really? Well, no, yeah. because he just gave the ball straight to a Derby player on the halfway line and then, and then nobody stood then a chance. Then failed to chase that. him. Yeah. Couple of people to mention then. Big Leeds favourite. Seth Johnson was brought out to do the half-time tombola and he got the usual warm reception from the Leeds fans. And Robbie Savage, who, if I wasn't very much mistaken, thought he was basically the second referee. Yeah, that's what annoyed me most about the whole affair, was the, the referee. They were having an affair. <laughs> no wonder he didn't get booked. <laughs> May as well. I mean, they had more conversation than, did, yeah. uh, than probably, well, than Michael's going to have with his girlfriend on the rest of his holiday. But the whole 90 minutes <laughs> was just Robbie Savage following the referee around, giving his opinion on uh, free kicks, who should be booked which way the throwing should go, plans for the weekend. He actually stamped his feet at one point because he didn't get a decision going his way. It's like a bloody big girl. And then um, of all the bloody big girls on the pitch he could have booked, he booked Kilkenny for descent. It only, I think he said one damn thing out of turn. All right, yellow card. You're great galah. <laughs> oh, I'm knackered. Can we have a rest? <laughs> and yeah, it just wound me up. And then he, of course, he, within minutes of the final whistle, he was on Twitter bragging about bossing our midfield when really... He didn't. He bossed the referee. I don't remember him touching the ball. He got some ropey tackles in and tried to break Gradle in two a couple of times. But He was pretty immobile, wasn't he? He just tended to sort of stick to the centre of the park and not really venture out of a 30-square-yard area. It's only because the referee didn't go much further. <laughs> That's true. It's like they were holding an orange rope like kids on a school trip so they lose each other. It was horrible. All right, then, was it a fair result? That's the question. No. No, not they were, really. They were, they were really crap. They were absolutely terrible. A bit like Sheffield United the other week. Well, in a way, they were better and in a way, they were worse because Sheffield United at least had the menacing threat of a long ball. They were really defensive, weren't they, Derby? Yeah, they didn't really seem interested in winning until we took the lead and then all of a sudden, they were, they were winning, but that, I suppose there wasn't really a lot of game in between there, us scoring and them scoring to, uh, to really judge it on. But yeah, they, they didn't seem like they were actually bothered about winning the game. And it was a pretty sullen journey back up the M1, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I swore quite a lot of the lady in the sat-nav. You did, actually, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, sat-nav lady. And we didn't, we didn't chase uh, Tom Kerwin back up the M1, like <laughs> going down. <laughs> On the way down, yeah, we were pursuing the Yorkshire radio car, possibly in a dangerous fashion. Possibly. Yeah. Well, we didn't jump a red light, though, did we? I was no. about to say, we weren't the ones who blazing off to a roundabout to get away from the uh, the uh, independent magazine that was chasing them. <laughs> Not that we're saying they did. But someone very much like them. Somebody did. that was waving a Leeds programme out the window at yeah. us while we waved a, a square, square ball. balls back. <laughs> were they, uh... 70 miles an hour on the M1. <laughs> very mature. Don't they... do it, kids. So with four games to get through, let's uh, move swiftly on to the Watford game. 2-2 draw at Ellen Road. And was this the first sign, do you think, that um, it was all going a bit belly up, the old promotion charge? No, losing to Derby. Well, no, it was before then. <laughs> we should have um, beaten Watford. Again, they were nothing of a team. They'd been on quite a good run, but 
it didn't look a, a decent side at all, really. Same One. same story as Derby as well. Though. It was all going fine until we blooming scored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm an... actually getting a drink out the fridge. Oh. <laughs> oh, back over to the chair. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and it's annoying that um, it's within minutes of us scoring that teams score against us. We just totally switch off. Basically, I think it goes back to what we were saying the other week that they're not bad players. It leads are just stupid. They just switch off it. Important moments, too thick to defend a lead. What do you think of the old Sommer and Gradle thing up front and pushing Housen out wide? Why is he being played if he can't be accommodated by the system? I thought it was mental. There's no reason for Johnny Housen to be playing left wing. He's not a left winger. We can we could play Gradle left wing and put somebody else up with Sommer. We could have had Watt up front. We could have Snodgrass through the middle. Ross McCormack, do you remember him? I'm not no, familiar no, with him, no. 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 Um, so there was, you know, there's plenty of different things we could have done, but... It, Wasn't he trying, at Derby as well, trying to keep four midfielders in there as opposed to having wingers and keep it all a bit tight and yeah. but failing? Well, it seems we've sacrificed our attacking prowess now. Well, I mean, that might be down to playing Billy Painter, who knows, but sacrificed our attacking prowess, having shored it up at the back a little bit. We'll say in a minute that what shored it up at the back has been bringing Naylor back and Livermore, who I think has been supposed to be playing like the midfield general we've been asking for has been a complete waste of time um, um a psychopathic midfield general by the looks of it. we'd have been better um i've been thinking across the last four games we would have been better if livermore and bannon had never showed up um because I, th- I think bannon is going to be a really good player but i think he's possibly um too good for our midfield because at derby is a lot of the time he's like pinging off like laying it off first time and johnny house would just be looking at him going, oh, we're a bit quick what am i supposed to do with that and it just wouldn't well, in, and trying to introduce players into the midfield with six games of the season to go, it's. I, I keep thinking back to the end of the title season, 1992. It's not exactly a similar scenario, but Howard Wilkinson at that point, we got beat 4 0 at Man City, and he said, Right, all the reserves, forget it, you're not playing. First 11, it's up to you now, between now and the rest of the season. You're going to be the first team, you're going to play together, and we're going to. We're going to do what we have to do. And I'd rather have had Simon Grayson do that than say, you know, oh, everyone can have a chance. There's still room in the reserve players. Just like, <laughs> fuck them all off and just like get them. Like, we know how bad Kilkenny, Johnson, and Housen can be. And it wasn't as bad as Livermore and Bannon. The other and, yeah, and, it, and however, all the different combinations that he's tried. Well, it was much improved against Reading. I mean, at least we can say that it was a good, good solid performance against a team that was on fire. So. An improvement, Michael. Oh, you were away. Well, you had my season ticket for this, so... <laughs> so you did, did you watch this in a Spanish bar somewhere? I didn't, unfortunately. I was um, I, I was only just arriving at the point the game was going on, so... Call yourself a blooming Leeds fan. What, what, what was it about the Reading game and this podcast that made you want to go on holiday? <laughs> I've spent ages reading about the Reading game and then I'm, I'm still on this podcast, so... Well, what can you you missed one of the better games we've had this season because we played really well. I if nil nil, if nil nil is one of the better games we've had, Jesus Christ! Oh, well, it was a good performance. Ginger Bollocks was back. Bam Bam, the saviour. Well, Richard, the I, I do hear he was all right actually, wasn't he? He was, which is maybe a sign of how poor our defence has been this year rather than uh, anything else. But. Well, you're in a yeah. mood, aren't you? It was a clean sheet, so... I think it's pretty much... Too late, though. Earlier in the season, a clean sheet against Reading would have been a good result, but it, it at was... the stage when we need wins, it's too late. Mm. Yeah, but on our form and their form, I would have taken the draw beforehand. But draws are no good, are they? It's too it little, too late, I agree. Yeah. Would you have taken the draw, providing we beat Palace? I would have expected to beat Palace, which is why I'd have taken the draw <laughs> yeah. against Reading. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I would, I would have taken the draw after the two easy wins against Derby and Watford that we just <laughs> glided through. And then eight eight wins on the bounce of Reading, nil-nil would have been... The, the 
but conceding nil, pleasant surprise. Seeing Naylor back, genuinely good performance and, and solved some of the problems. We did deserve a win. We should have won. We had the chance. Well, how didn't we score? That's the big question. I know uh, Billy Painter did his best not to. Uh, their keeper did his best to keep us out. Post, bar, all the rest of it. He had some lucky saves as well. Mm. He, I don't think he was particularly that good. He yeah. was well, fluky. Didn't you they think... give him man of the match? And he was just... Yeah. There were no special saves in there. There, were, there was the one from Snodgrass right at the end, the header that he got across quickly, but the rest of the time... That's there from Gradle that I've seen where he made a complete mess of it, but it still went wide. Yeah, yeah. Man of the match. He, he, he doesn't deserve any kind of credit for that. The Gradle shot too soon as far as I... Yeah, he should I have taken that further. Yeah, he could have yep. gone right in. And, Plenty of time there. And I found myself screaming when Sanchez Watt had that chance mm. right at the death to flick it in. And he just all he needed to do was take a touch. Take a touch and pop it in the net. Yeah. And we've won and everything's all right. And we go to Palace and win and we get promoted comfortably. And he fell on his arse. Well, it was what Billy Painter had been doing for the previous 80 minutes. So. <laughs> As someone who's not seen the game then, was Painter really bad? It's not. I don't think it's that he's bad. He, he ran a lot, but he's just completely ineffectual as a striking threat. Yeah, that's, but that's anyone can run a lot. Paula Radcliffe would run a lot. Is, she, is, is he absolutely rubbish? Yeah, but she runs for a living. I couldn't run a lot. <laughs> he, he ran a lot. Could you, he, could you piss in the street for a living? I think I he would be quite good at pissing in the street. He ran a lot, but he ran at the wrong times. And I think you could maybe tell by the way that Gradle took that shot, the one bit of the game that you have seen. Whereas 15 games ago, he probably would have run that in and slid it under the keeper. But against Reading, he just panicked and shot really early. And that seems to be the way the midfield is. And that's why nothing was going near Painter, because the crosses were crap and the through balls were rubbish and he didn't move. So it was a whole front four, five. It's not just Painter, but he doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. but um, He didn't win any headers. He didn't really challenge for the headers. I think he won one and got past the full-back and put a cross in, I think. And then Snodgrass beat him to a, a header as well at the back post, which is a little bit worrying. That's then Maybe that tells you all you need to know about Billy Painter, that Snodgrass was challenging him in winning. Well, let's skip forward now to the last game in this sequence. Palace. Uh, <laughs> that was yesterday. First or final nail in our promotion coffin, do you think? Final. Final. <laughs> I, actually, I actually, I listened to most of this on the uh, on the internet while whilst on holiday. Could you hear and, in, uh, in the, towards the start of the second half what sounded like a, a market trader that just kept barking, barking his wares constantly because he had that really tinny drum like that, and then they had some guy that just kept going, "Food for five for a pen." <laughs> <laughs> Fruit, potatoes. Has this turned into Mary Poppins? <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. That's all I could hear into for most of the second half, and it didn't help the mood. No, it, it wasn't a good listen, really, was it? To be, to, you know, to be honest, in going into this game, I went into it with no expectation, and I was pretty relaxed about the whole thing, and I didn't mind when we lost, because I've expected it now. You weren't disappointed then? No, I wasn't. I've, 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 I'll be honest, mentally, I've, I've finished on this season now. Dan, you told us... That- that we were going to go up this year. Well, nobody told the bloody players, did they? On this very podcast, you said, we're going to go up this year. But I think that was because... No, it wasn't this podcast. It was one before (laughs) when we were playing well. You said it. The the thing is, right, I based that on the fact the players were playing without any expectation on the shoulders. They were playing with no fear. And gradually, as time's gone on, the expectation has crept in. They haven't managed it well. Grayson hasn't managed the squad well, the tactics well. And the whole thing has crumbled, basically, I think. That's my opinion. And I didn't expect them to capitulate again, even though we had last year as evidence. I thought that because there was no expectation, they might just ride it through and and, uh, get promoted. But, you know, there's still an outside chance and we've done stupider things before. No, there's no chance. It's gone. (laughs) I think what um, 
what I expected from the Crystal Palace game was not to see Livermore and Painter beginning. I thought I had a sneaking feeling that Painter would be given another chance, but I don't understand why after just trying to... I mean, all he did in 45 minutes against Reading was not to get sent off and somehow, and then get taken off at half-time and somehow Livermore on that performance got another three-quarters of an hour to, before he got subbed for Kilkenny. And I could understand it if he was one of ours, but I don't understand why this Tottenham buffoon has been allowed to... to, to if you get subbed at half-time two games in a row... You're a disgrace to your profession, and and if it was Kilkenny doing that, you know, we, well, we've had enough out of him to perhaps balance it out, and that but, can't help motivation with Kilkenny either. Knowing that he's probably going to be on his way in the summer, and he gets ends up on the sub bench, and then his replacement gets subbed off at half time. Oh, go on then, Neil, you go, you go do it. Well, it's been and reported. It better. Sorry, it's been reported on Wacko um, that someone was at the recent Leeds on the Road event. I can't remember which one it was, but saying that Kilkenny was there and he spoke quite openly about his feelings about being dropped and his, uh, his imminent departure. And he's sort of saying that he doesn't think a resolution can be reached because the club doesn't want a resolution. Wasn't that his dad that was quite dad, open with yeah. those facts? Yes. Not so him. it would appear that we, we are seeing the very last of, uh, of Killer. Well, that's no surprise. And it's not really particularly bad news. But I'd rather have had him playing than Livermore in the last two games. Is this all going back down to the, the, the transfer policy in general? Not necessarily in January, but just overall. I have a theory that Simon Grayson would be a better manager if there was no such thing as a loan market. I think he gets, and I think we would possibly be more patient with him as well. If there was no such thing as a loan market because there was such a build-up of pressure when the loan wind, when the various transfer windows and the loan windows and the emergency loan windows were all closing. People were going, who's he going to bring in? When are we going to get a player? When are we going to get the midfielder we wanted? Whereas if you just had those that summer and then a month in January to do it, we may actually have done proper business without this business of signing a player that will still be available in 93 days so they can play in the playoffs. And all this, which meant Livermore and Bannon came we in. We missed the boat, didn't we? Yeah, they yeah. came in too late to have any effect and they, and it was too much of a risk. And, we, and like I said just now, we would have been better just sticking with the players who had got us into a decent playoff position. I get the impression he buys players and then he sees them and he's not as confident as he initially was when he when he bought them in the first place. Because he's done it when he's bought, he bought players in and then when he's brought people in on loan as well, he's done the same thing. He's put them in straight away, but then immediately he's withdrawn them almost as if he's not quite sure if they're good enough. I worry that he's brought players in and then he's lost faith in them almost straight away as soon as he's brought them into the team. And, and that the whole confidence of the, whole, of the squad is undermined by that. And after that cheery chat about the uh, the last four matches, uh, let's move on to news off the pitch, possibly a little bit of welcome relief from the stuff that's been going on on the grass. Uh, Michael, you still there? Yeah, sadly. <laughs> and, you, and you happy to stay with us for a little bit longer? I suppose so. As always, uh, plenty to get through, so let's do it. Uh, someone who's definitely been off the uh, off the field recently for this season, Paddy Kiznarbo, a much-needed addition, well, in a fully fit condition. It'll be like a new signing. Yeah, which is how the club will sell it, yeah. Uh, he's doing ball work at Thorpe Arch and he's back running again, and fingers, toes, everything crossed for the man that he's back next season and uh, making our defence look a little less amateurish. Can we have him back now? We could try, but we may finish him in a Ben Parker fashion, I don't know. Speaking of which, um, he's just gone back in for another operation, hasn't he? Um, hamstring slash back injury. Yeah, it all went quiet on him, and, if, and if nothing was mentioned. And now he's got. I don't know how can you how can you have a combined hamstring stroke back injury? It seems like I'm glad you mentioned it 
That, I was going to say that. That would surely be a that's, a... that's a buttock injury, isn't it? In between the hamstring that's, and that's back. That's a full body injury. If it's yeah. back and hamstring, that's more or less your entire body, apart from your head. The only thing, yeah, you've got in common is your nervous system running down your spine and your legs. Depends how he's been strung up, I suppose. <laughs> what do you think, then, in terms of players in and out? Ramon Nunez uh, is at Scunthorpe doing all right. Um, one of our uh, forum members who lives in Scun, he went to see them at the weekend because he couldn't get tickets for the Leeds game and he, uh, he said he was man of the match. Well, he, then he qualified it by saying he wasn't that good. He said he probably <laughs> wouldn't get in ahead of Gradle or Snodgrass and those would be the sort of positions he'd be looking at and a bit soft gives the ball gives the ball away a lot but clearly creative, scoring goals, clearly good. Hopefully it, it'll work for next season. Is there going to be a next season for him? Well, they're not going to shoot him. Well, his contract's <laughs> up in the summer, isn't it? Yeah, but, well, yeah, but they're not taking the contract out on him. Have you, never, have you never been to Scunthorpe? Just dump him in the seed. It's like Drive him to Cleethorpe's and <laughs> pack him off into the seed. Scunthorpe's admin staff phoning leads back saying, when, when do you want to cancel this loan? Nah, just just dump him in the river. I'm not bothered anymore. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see how it pans out for him. I'd, I'd like to see him given a shot, at least, because he's got some creativity and... When you say creativity, do you mean it's foreign? <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. He can pass He's got up. a fancy name. He's got to be good, hasn't he? Look at Felipe da Costa. He's an international. Well, we'll see, we'll see. I, I predict <clears throat> probably a few no, I, I think he's been given a bit of a, uh, a hard run, to be fair. He's, uh, he, he looked all right when he came on as a sub a couple of times, and then he's gone on loan and he's done well. He's it was hardly ever at Leeds. And then it's we've hard. had Billy Painter. His hard run has mostly consisted of him going to Honduras every other week to play in meaningless friendly. So it's, it's been there was no real way he could have established himself while he was doing all that. So I'm, I think this Scunthorpe loan is the right move, and now it looks like he can he can play in the the English league at relegation level. That's established, <laughs> and perhaps Honduras will have a few less games next season. He'll shine in uh, League One <laughs> if he stays with Scully. Well, they seem to like him anyway. Possibly an, an in-out situation going on keepers-wise. Another one going into the last year of his contract at Ellen Road, Casper Schmeichel. When we first signed him, we, we remarked on this podcast about it being a two-year contract and you can see him possibly seeing it out and then leaving. Um, would a sizable fee this summer be too good to turn down given how many goals we've leaked? And you have to say that he is part of the problem. This is sort of all fueled by the rumour that has broken in the last day or so about uh, Leeds approaching Kieran Westwood, who's out of contract this time at Coventry and... He's a damn fine goalkeeper. But he's also very short. I don't dispute that he's a damn fine goalkeeper and he may well be better than Peter Schmeichel, who's also not the tallest goalkeeper in the league. Peter or Casper? Casper Schmeichel's not the, uh, the not inherited the height from the father. And I don't know about trading one shortkeeper for another shortkeeper. Agile but short were my words about him. Mm, I have to say, that, yes, that's true. I mean, I, I remember the playoff games against Carlisle and he's fantastic. Really, really good player. From what I've seen, I'd take Westwood over Schmeichel. I agree. I don't mean. I don't mean Tim. Very good. Um, dropping some, dropping some bombs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Westwood seems to be around forever. Is he only twenty six? He was very young when he was uh, good, yeah, defeating the car. Huh? <laughs> but I, and I was expecting him to grow, but he hasn't, and that's what worries me. <laughs> I can't see Westwood coming in as being an understudy. And Higgs is out. I know Higgs is out of contract in some way. Because there's talk of Westwood, maybe, you know, again, low-end Premier League. So, yeah, yeah, I agree, he wouldn't necessarily want yeah. to. He would have to be number one. And if that means yeah. Schmeichel going for a, a better but shorter keeper, I could learn to live with it. With a fee. I can imagine the fee not being that high again. I can imagine Bates taking any offer for Schmeichel. Yeah, with only a year to go, that was always the worry about yeah. his two-year contract. That at no point could we really 
say, yeah, you can't have him unless you pay. And it's like, well. I've really struggled to love Casper. He's been, he started off really well, but his, his performance not only on the pitch, but also on Twitter and what have you, where he's just generally, generally paid a bit of a miserable sod and a bit of a finger pointer rather than taking responsibility for himself. I, I'm just, I wouldn't be especially gutted to see him leave. And I think we'd probably get quite decent money for him because of his name. Speaking of uh, the old Twitter rumours, then there's somebody who keeps contacting uh, us on Twitter saying that Alex Bruce has been leaving games early because he's, since he's been dropped. Do you think that's a good thing for a player to be doing, leaving after a couple of minutes into a game? He'll want to get out of the car park, won't he? You know what he's like at driving? <laughs> oh, it's a fair point. To beat the rush. Yeah. He's, he's probably just upset that he's being sick for nothing. Thanks for that laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's sitting here stony face, but at least you're in Spain pissed up and loving it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very disappointing that Henry would leave before uh, before watching the team because I always think that my impression I get from purely admittedly playing Sunday league football is that where, wherever you're playing, you'll stay and watch the game. But I guess maybe that's not the same. I think it depends on circumstances. Well, I know I think Lloyd Sam on Twitter as well was kind of outed by somebody because he, he said he, he couldn't say whether he was playing today because they're not allowed to discuss team selections and then somebody said are we allowed to mention that we've just seen you getting on the train to King's Cross Cause, um, <laughs> but he obviously he's and that was well, hours before the game so he's obviously he's, he's got an injury and so I said yeah if you want to go to London see your family do that maybe if you know hours in advance it's acceptable but if Alex Bruce finds out 10 minutes before kickoff that he's not playing then does he have to stick around in my view, in my book, yes. But do you think in my book, yes as well. Mm. To be honest, everyone else in the stadium has paid good money to be in there, so the least he could do is stay and watch a game for free. <laughs> Given <laughs> he's getting paid probably not a million miles off ten grand a week, I imagine the very, very least he could do is, I mean, if to sit around and watch other people I work with just do work, then I'd do it. And we mentioned before that when uh, Kisnobo was injured, he was travelling to away games. And was part of the team the whole setup. So if you can't sit and watch his team play and hopefully win, piss off. Exactly. The, le- the least you would expect is that they'd be supportive of the other people. But I suppose if he's with Kisnobo when he was injured, he was thinking, I'm not going to be involved in this, therefore it's all right. But I guess Bruce is a bit miffed that he's being left out. Do you think there's a little bit of disharmony in, in certain aspects of the squad? I, I can think of a lot of reasons why some of them wouldn't be happy, like Kilkenny. And, well, we know about Johnson isn't happy because he's been on TalkSport all the time, whinging about it. He just wants equality. McCormack. Equality. <laughs> equality. I just want equality. McCormack's got uh, reasons to be upset. Bruce was a big signing, I suppose, and not really had a look. So I can imagine it. But then when you see them larking around at go-kart tracks and, and, in, and in boots and places, they all look like a happy bunch. Barry Bannon certainly got his, his face around as well. They didn't seem like a social occasion that he missed while he was um, while he was here. He was constantly uh, photographed. So hard to tell. I always always get suspicious when people go, "Oh, Grayson's lost the dressing room." That's such a fairly meaningless statement. You can't lose a dressing room. It's in the West End. It's where it's always been. And you know, if a couple of players are sulking just because they ain't playing, does that count as losing the dressing room? Does it just mean you've got a couple of sulky? People who need to grow up. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a symptom of having a squad, isn't it? It's not everybody can play. No. Somebody's I always suspect the phrase losing the dressing room comes from when players are not winning and they just get a bit of a sulk. Because I can imagine, I can well imagine it happens that modern professionals 
things are going well, they're quite happy to lap up the praise. But as soon as things start going wrong, they'll whinge about it and point fingers elsewhere. And I think that's I think that's where the manager has to bear the brunt of it. And I guess that's why they keep everything in-house. That's the policy, isn't it? Keep it behind closed doors. Every, everything's behind closed doors at League. Yeah, that's the point. We've resigned from the Reserve League, haven't we? Yes, well, we knew that, didn't we? That um, they, want to play, they want to play somebody better than, uh, well, the Gateshead girls' teams. Yes, they were worried about Grimsby. Then the Grimsby reserves that we lost 5-2 to. Exactly, the standard's not good enough <laughs> yeah, it's in, our, in our team. We want to we want to lose 10-0. <laughs> what, what are they like, letting us score twice? Right, should we let him get back to his holiday now, then? Parting, such sweet sorrow. Um, yeah, go on. Plus, he's just about too drunk to speak. Have a good drunk. rest of holiday, and um, we will see you next week. Yeah. I'll be back for uh, back for Burnley, back for the misery. Right, we'll catch up with you next week. Then have a good time. Bye, bye then, bye. Uh. Bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Part three of the Square Ball Podcast now, and we thought with Michael being absent, now we've got rid of him. Uh, we needed some more voices on the pod rather than you listening to us three droning on. So pushing back the boundaries of sports broadcasting. We're not doing a phone in, but we're doing a phone out. We're going to speak to some of uh, of our listeners. Yeah, we get their numbers in advance and um, and ring them, um, <laughs> which means they've got to sit there for a couple of hours waiting for us, waiting for our call. But bless them, it's an effort that we appreciate. Well, depending on what they end up saying. Right, so let's get the first person on the phone now. Then, hello, is that Ben Scott? Yeah, it is. Hello, Ben. It's Dan from the Squareball Podcast. Hi, Dan. So you're down at Crystal Palace. What do you want to say about the game? Firstly, I was just like. Um wondering why you guys all thought that Painter would start another game ahead of summer, or anyone else, really. It seems that Grayson fancies him, doesn't he, as a replacement for Becky. Such an ugly man, I know. He's <laughs> got yeah, some kind of loyalty with him, hasn't he? I was looking up on Wikipedia today, he's played 20 games and scored one goal, whereas Thomas played 28 and scored 11, I just think it's getting a bit... But Sommer started up front the other game on his own and he didn't really do anything, did he? So I think yeah. mainly because Painter's more of a target man than Sommer. Sommer's more of a footballer than Painter will ever yeah, be. Yeah, no, and I mean, I saw an interview in York's Post where Sommer said like, he preferred playing with another striker, but he did also say he was willing to give it a go if the manager would let him on his own. I think that's it. He'd just like to be in the team again, wouldn't he? We all saw the, um, the Reading game, but none of us were actually at Palace. How bad was Painter? Pretty bad. I mean, I don't really think he had much of a shot on goal whereas Tom was on for literally the last 10 minutes of the game or so and he I mean he probably might have probably should have scored but at least he created chances which some uh, painter didn't really seem to do also like the whole team just seemed a bit void of ideas our only real attacking move seemed to be to get the ball to Connolly who'd pass it forward to Sograth and then he'd whip a ball into the box and, and then painter that, wasn't there yeah and we just did it all game I mean if we had Becky up front that would seem to make sense because he's got a good head on him but Cool. Cheers then, Ben. No problem. Okay, thanks very much. Enjoy the rest of the season if you can. Thanks. See you, mate. Bye-bye. And on the line now then, Simon Williams. Hello, Simon. Hiya, you all right? Thanks for joining us. What have we got to say then? Oh, well, (laughs) where do we start? I think there's, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen Twitter today and all the rantings of people going on about um, some people saying Grayson should be sacked after the last few weeks, which I personally think is a bit pathetic. I think if you look back, go back to August, we'd have all been very happy with where we are now. You know, we've had the ups and downs as, we, as we're all used to do. And um, and I think, personally, I think we've had a bloody good season. I think, overall, I think we got a bit overexcited when we were up there in second, third position. Russia blood so to think, the head and all that. Yeah, I think it was. And I think um, we, were, we were never 
really going to be... Well, well, I don't think we were ever going to be a team challenging for promotion. And I think to be up there and where we've done and how well we've done, it's been absolutely fantastic. Do you think we might have been better off just being in that ninth to 12th zone all season instead of being yeah. in that second to sixth that seemed to get everybody excited? Yeah, I think, although I think, I think had we been any lower, I think you'd have got the people jumping down Grayson's throat earlier. And I think you'd have had that little bit of nerves that we could get dragged into relegation. Do you think? If you look at how it's gone up, well, if you look at how it's gone over the last, last few weeks especially, it's not exactly been promotion or even sort of like top of the table, you know, near to the top of the table form, has it really? And had we been mediocre all season, I think we possibly could have been dragged down without going over the last few weeks. Do you think so? Do you not think we've made a run for our own back by pushing for promotion and we'd actually found our true level now? And you think maybe people would have been more forgiving if we'd have been about sort of ninth or tenth all season and hovered around mid-table? I don't know, but I'm not sure whether we have been... I'm not sure whether we've been really pushing for promotion. I think we've just... I think we've had a bit of luck, really. Don't get me wrong, we've played some really good football at times, but we've had a little bit of luck. I think that's pushed us into a position where we're not... We, we shouldn't really be. It's that down to the fact that all the teams around us are doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. Nobody really it, seems to want it. No, if you look at it, and I think it's across... I think it's been across um, Premier League as well. There's, there's nobody seems... You know, QPR are... Even now, there's two matches to go, and QPR still not clinched it. Yeah, we yeah everybody's been going on about them for months and months and months. And um, and I just think that there's there's nobody been desperate to win it enough. And I think we've just managed to because we've you know we've had some abysmal results, especially you know early on, and even you know some of the some of the matches. Really, you know, we, we should not have lost to Crystal Palace yesterday. You know, they're fighting to stay up. Is that not the and, problem though that we're, we're encountering teams that are fighting? Like Sheffield United, and yeah, we're just kind of. Well, I, I went yeah. to I went to the Sheffield United match, and they're probably one of the worst. They're one of the worst teams I've ever seen, and this police just didn't know what to do, didn't know how to play against it, and were absolutely abysmal. And I think yeah, maybe right. I think we've just not had that. We've not had the desire that some of the other teams, you know, especially those ones down there who are fighting to stay up, they've had that desire to want to win and leads of And I wouldn't go as far as to say we've given up on playoffs, but I think I've, you know, I think over the last few weeks, I think we've got to that. Position where it's like, well, if we go up, if we get into the playoffs, do you think we've right, been a little bit too comfortable? You think they can just turn up and win? I think against some teams, but uh, that, but then you know we've all been watching Leeds for, for years and years and years, and I've always one of the things that I've always had a bugbear about Leeds is that you put a big team in front of them and they play well and they'll play up to that, and they might not always win, but they'll at least give it a go. Some of the teams, your lower teams, they come and think, oh well, this is easy, we're going to win this, and they just they just don't. If, you need to be up right from the start, and I just think sometimes they're just not up from it right from the start. Do you think it's a lack of character rather than complacency? Um, I don't know. There should be some characters in that team. You look around the team, you know, there's some players that have played, you know, look at Andy O'Brien and, and Bruce. They've played Premier League, so they should have that character to know how to manage in matches like, you know, the, the big matches that really mean something, that we've got to get the points. And I don't know, I'm not sure whether the character really comes into it. I suppose at, at the other end, a lot of the other players haven't played beyond, well, they haven't played beyond the championship. And we had a lot of League One players, like, I suppose, Kilkenny Housen's not got much pedigree at this level. Gradle's never been up there. Becchio. Um, Johnson. Spent most of his career. Johnson. Well, I think, yeah, I think, we've, I think we've got a load of players who probably the championship is their level. You know, we've got some players, and I'd probably put Johnson in there where I actually think League One's his level. <laughs> you know, and like you say, they've not played in there. We've probably not got enough 
of the players that have done a little bit in the Premiership or even in the Championship. So they know, you know, they know what it's what it's all about and what it means to fight. You know, fighting in League One's one thing. But fighting the championship, it, it is a, there's a massive jump from League One to Championship, and yes, the jump from Championship to Premiership is even bigger. Some of them, have, you know, have done really well, but others they've just they've found the level, and it's maybe not as high up. It's that mid-table, like we said earlier, it's that mid-table bit, and we maybe should have had some players in who could have could have challenged a bit higher up. Would well, you think maybe next season that group of players now they've worked out that they can finish? Top ten at worst in the in the champ. Well, so that's the worst yeah. um, in the championship. That next season they'll have that confidence, maybe to play. Like it took a, couple, a few seasons for those, for someone like Halston to get out of League One, a couple of seasons to get used to the championship. Add in um, those players that we need if, if Johnson and Kilkenny that will drag the other leave. ones up. Yeah, yeah and well, yeah, and they yeah, won't no, have to drag think, them yeah, so far because they've got this season under the yeah. belts. I think I think you're right. I still think there needs to be maybe some changes, and, and we talk about that that tough defensive midfielder, and it's, it's talked about, been talked about for months and months and months. But I don't know, I don't know who you get. But I think I think those players have now most of them. I, I'm hoping that a lot of them will still be there next season, and they'll they'll have that experience. They're right. We know what it takes to fight for this league. It's rather not have lone players, but you know, we get season long lone players of experienced people, possibly. Uh, from the Premiership, they were stuck in there, and they can right. Let's fight for it and fight for it next season. I think I think next season, I think we can go in there, and I think we can really we can show that. But there's some potentially some big teams coming down, so it, it won't be easy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And I think we possibly need to spend a little bit of money. Ooh, now you've got. Watch your language, young man. <laughs> And not on hotels, but um, but yeah, I think I think we can do it. An optimist. Well, let's hope so. Anyway, thanks for your thoughts, yeah. Simon. Okay, yep. no problem. Take okay. care. Take See it you, easy. Bye. Bye. On the line then now, Howard Burden. Hello, Howard. Hi. You're right. Um, right. You're. You got in touch with us and said you wanted to have uh, a rant about Larry's team selection and tactics. So the floor is yours. Go for it. But he doesn't appear to change the, change the team enough. Um, players out of form. He sticks by players. I'm a massive Johnny Allison fan, but he hasn't played well for a month. Um, something needs changing. He's reluctant to leave out Billy Painter when his goals per game ratio is horrendous. 
got a guy on the bench, Sommer, who he never seems to play unless it's, unless it's in a 4-4-2 and then he has a bad game and then we don't see him for another month. Um, and without Becchio, he seems to struggle to score goals. And I just think chopping and changing all the time, he doesn't know to pick a, at centre-half. Has to play McCartney at left-back because I think you see he needs to play him because he's signed him. He's not the answer at left-back. And I'm just, I'm just sure that uh, he's not the guy that I thought he was. 12 months ago in League One, he um, sort of lost the plot this time last year. And this year it's happened, it's happened again. And um, promotion was there for the taking this season. It's a shame. It just seems to have dropped away through some strange, strange team selections. Do you think it's down to the personnel he's got at his disposal a little bit? Because he built a team well, for survival. Well, I'm... Not, I just can't understand. Painter's got one goal in 20 games and he keeps playing him. And now Summer's got 12 in 27 after coming on as a sub. People say he can't play in a 4-5-1. But if he's not given a chance to play in a 4-5-1, he's not going to improve. And That's he's, true. Again, I'm a massive Becky fan, but he's a, he's a natural finisher this summer. The best one we've got. And Billy Painter's done nothing at all to, to show me that... Uh, he can do the job. I mean, he scored more goals for Swindon at Ellen's Road than he has Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, weird thing that Grayson, I don't think he necessarily would disagree with some of what you're saying about the players, but he always seems to be maybe yeah. a week or two behind. Like McCarthy, McCarthy, sorry, McCartney hasn't played um, the last two games, I don't think. He certainly didn't play against Palace. And we've swapped around to accommodate him, but it was about a fortnight after everybody else realised he was shit and needed to go. Do you think, yeah. and same with. Um, with Painter, I was amazed that he played against Palace. But it's, it's only two games in a row, and he won't play again this season. I'm, I'm sure he won't, but again, it's just that little bit weak too late. Do you think he's just he's not quite sharp enough with some of the changes? Exactly. I mean, I look at his, I mean, his goal scoring at League One level is quite is quite good, but he's, like, he's 26, he's had loads of clubs. He hit a yeah, fair play to him. He hit a, a purple patch at Swindon. He did well, but I mean, that's Swindon. He's coming, he's, he's coming to Leeds and he just looked like a fish out of water. I cringed when he played against Arsenal in the replay. Alan Road with all the country watching, thinking, you know, we're better, we're better than having Billy Painter up front. And I, and I think Sommer would have been more of a threat, as I think he would be every week. Uh, and, I, and I can see Sommer losing patience sooner rather than later. I've heard rumours as well, Becky will sign a three-year deal, but he's not, you know, he's, he's wanting to play Premier League sooner rather than later. And I just think, you know, we all know what, what Bates can be like, and I think somebody throws a bit of money at him, they could be gone, and then we. We are in trouble. Well, Painter and McCormack up front. Well, again, McCormack, he's got more ability in his left foot than, than, than Painter's got in his whole body. I just yeah. don't know what McCormack's got to do to have a game. Yeah, it's um, weird, isn't it? Another thing as well, I mean, apart from Lloyd Sam and Sanchez Watt, who were injured probably a month ago, um, we've got a squad of eight, 17, 18, possibly 19, a decent squad at the championship level. It goes, it goes and then and gets Livermore and Bannon in. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if... If you've got four or five bad injuries, then you go out and you get a couple of loan signings in, maybe three. They'll see you through for a month till your players are back and then give them a game and then they'll go back to the parent clubs. point I'm making is we've got 17 decent players and he goes out and gets two more when that completely makes Grayson's job harder because he thinks he's got them in, so he thinks he's got to play Bannon and he thinks he's got to play Livermore. I kill Kenny, he plays 45 minutes, then he's out and he's back on at half-time. And I just don't think there's any need to bring Livermore and Bannon in. Just, just don't know why he's done it. If, well, you, if the squad was decimated by injuries, yeah, fair enough. But it wasn't, and I just don't know why he's done it. I don't know what you'll think. I was just going to say, actually, you, you obviously weren't privy to our conversation earlier on, but Moscow made much the same point, exactly the same thing. Why bring him in and then upset the balance of the midfield? I think yeah. in, in a way that Grayson would be, well, this is exactly what I said earlier, but do you think he'd be a better manager if there was no such thing as a loan market? Just see what if he had to work with that squad that he had, then mm. things would things would probably calm down a bit. We wouldn't be clamouring for new players the way that people 
were at some points of the season and he yeah. wouldn't be trying to shoehorn these guys in. I mean, look at what Neil Warnock's done at QPR. I mean, he's got rid of all the lone players, pretty much, apart from Routledge. Got a settled squad. Brought well, Routledge in at the right time, give him a little bit of impetus, and it's um, and it's, and it's done the trick. Well, Jim Warnock, he, he, wasn't, he hasn't been totally consistent because he brought um, Jim Bonder in uh, this season, played him a few times, and then he told him he would never play again and basically sacked him after the Scunthorpe game. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, even even at that level, it's a weird thing in football where everybody seems to be just players pitching up for a while and then and then mm. disappearing. Yeah, but I mean, Warnock knows what's required to get out of this division. Yeah. I mean, you move it to Premier League, yeah, he's going to struggle. I don't doubt that, but Hopefully. he does. Yeah, but he does. He does have um, He does get the job done, does Warnock. And I just think six wins in twenty-two since Christmas. It's you know, it's relegation form. Never mind playoff form. Going back to QPR, Warnock did yeah. bring in Sean Derry in this last summer. He's yeah. probably the midfielder that we desperately needed. What do you think about that? Possibly, but we've had it, we've had him before. But would you would you play Derry in front of Bradley Johnson? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I quite like Johnson to be honest. I think it's hard working. I don't think he's got much of a football brain, but when he plays instinctively and doesn't think about it too much, he can yeah. be a good player. He's, I agree. He makes bad decisions at times, but he, yeah. he does yeah. put a shift in sometimes. Between August and sort of end of November, it was terrible with Johnson, but I think since since the Arsenal games, he's, he's improved. Or whether the rest of the midfield, their performance has dropped and it's made Johnson look better, I'm not sure. But <laughs> he is fully committed and he's yeah. decent in the air. Um, and he, yeah, he is limited. But yeah. I, I've sort of changed my mind a little bit about Johnson. I, thought, I, think, he's, I think he's done OK this season. I, mean, I um, think we could play him at left-back because I think he's, he's, he has played there before. God, I think he's yeah. not that bad. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, at the risk of getting him injured and suffering yeah. the curse of the left-back, as we yeah. mentioned before. Yeah. But yeah, I just wonder what you thought about getting onto Warnock and um, uh, Sean Derry. He was available. Whether he would have come back with his history with uh, mm. Bates, I don't know. No, but it was wise, wasn't it, Monty? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did, yeah, that, he did that interview yeah. before we played QPR. He said the proudest moment of his career was playing for Leeds United. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, yeah, he says all the right things about Leeds. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's got that goal fan. he'd been down at Leeds Market and had egg, egg and chips. Yeah, and that egg was, and chips, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just going back to Warnock for a second. Um, yeah. Just, I'll just tell the roundabout story that we actually feature on a, in an article in Loaded Magazine this time uh, right. about fanzines, and I bought it, and I was flicking through, and there's an interview with Paul Merson, and he yeah. talks about Warnock, and he said when he played for Warnock, what Warnock does is goes out and gets a player for every single position on the pitch, and he fills yeah. you know fills his squad up with players that are relative to the formation that he wants to play. And I was going to ask the, the same thing of Grayson. Does he have too many square pegs in round holes? I think so. I think without a doubt. Connolly, Connolly's done come in. I never heard of the guy Connolly before he came. He's done a great job, and then I, admittedly he got injured, and Lee has, Lee has come in. Then he's had to play at left back because McCartney's so crap. Which, which again, he's just thrown, he's thrown all his planning out, and it's not. Yeah, I think that easy, but I just don't think Grayson manages it, manages certain situations correctly, and it makes it harder than it needs to be. Do you think maybe we could cut him a bit of slack with this being the first season in the championship? Possibly, that maybe. Four four two, four five one, summer, painter, Becchio. He just doesn't know and this was his year to work it out and then suddenly yeah. the second in the league and yeah. he's got a look, promotion on his hands. Fair point. But look at Norwich and Millwall. Yeah. You know, he's saying that we're overachieving and this and that and well what about Norwich and Millwall? They've gone out and got Simeon Jackson, admittedly has been injured most of the season, but he's coming in now and he's scoring goals. Something at Painter never looks like doing. Nah. It's an never interesting like- point you make actually because Grayson's gone on record as saying we're not just going to buy people to make up the numbers. Um, mm. We want people who are going to improve us. And there's no real sign of that yet. I mean, Bannon no. and Livermore, given time to bed in, might. But there is an argument that says, 
a bit of just decent quantity might have really helped this season, particularly because you do suspect that we could have brought in players who are probably better than good degree of those that are in our squad now. Yep, yep. And, and all you hear, all you hear as well from Leeds is, oh, we've got players who want to come and, and, and they're keen to come and all this sort of carry on. But, but where are they? Do we not pay wages? Do we not want do we not want them to come? I don't know. It's just frustrating because it costs you thirty pound every time to get in, done it better times and it's just it's just it's just this time last year ringing just ringing a bell again for me, just worrying losing the plot. Promotion was there for taking this year. Never I mean next year's gonna be difficult because Southampton, Huddersfield, Brighton in the new stadium, they'll all be competitive because they've got a bit of money. You're gonna have West Ham probably, you're gonna have Wolves probably. They're gonna be reasonable. Middlesbrough probably get the finger out next year. Uh, Wigan may not do, they may do, and I just, I just think it, this time it was there for the taking. Not each of, not each have been tremendous to be fair to them. Done it easy, haven't they? Really? Yeah. Well, they've done it well. <laughs> done it well. Yeah. Consider <laughs> Howard. Considering that was supposed to be a rant, it was actually very constructive. And again, and no I do agree, agree with uh, many of the things you said. Thanks a lot, Howard. Thanks All a lot, right, mate. Thanks for calling. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Right, we're talking now to George Bramley. Hello, George. Hi, uh, afternoon, Ethan. You've got positive things to say, then? Yeah, I don't think it's that bad at all, because uh, I know a lot of people have been saying we'd have taken nine for the start of the year, but I wouldn't even go back that far. I think if you look back at the games at uh, Preston and Barnsley, after those games, we, we thought we might be into like a genuine relegation dogfight. So then if you'd have offered us nine for anywhere in the top half, we'd have been delighted. I also think it's a bit harsh from the criticism that uh, Grayson's been coming in for. Because, like, yeah, he's made mistakes. The likes of uh, the son, the Cormac, been pretty awful signing. There's uh, been problems throughout the defence the past probably two years, to be honest. But you've got to think, look, the things he's got right. He's, uh, he's, got, he's got promoted from League One after a lot of managers, qualified managers, experienced people like Darren well, McAllister, I suppose Dennis Wise, couldn't. So I think this year should have been one for rebuilding and where we fought at the start of the year we might be trying just to stay in the league. Really, it's been one we've been pushing to move up from it. And next year is where, really, hopefully we'll kick on. Do you think the thing that's worried people this year is that maybe we've seen the ceiling of Simon Grayson's limitations? I think it's more been the ceiling of the squad's limitations, to be honest. I think he succeeded at Blackpool and he left probably before he had a chance to take them any further. And, like, again, the players he signed at the start of the year were ones to keep us in the Championship rather than ones to particularly get us promoted. Whereas I think that the test will really be over the summer in the transfers then, whether I think it's probably the right decision if, if he lets Bradley Johnson go. Maybe, I don't know about Kilkenny, maybe them, them two are particular players who are maybe just the average Championship, whereas next year, hopefully, we'll be signing those the better Championship sort of players. Yeah, I think you're, you're right, especially looking back to the, um, the Preston and the Barnsley games they, they seem so long ago now but can we call we, them debacles can call, <laughs> call them what you want but they weren't fun um and that's kind yeah. of that's kind of been forgotten in a way that at that point we were really looking that this was going to be a desperate season it was conceding six to rubbish every week and preston ended up going down and yet and people say he's never quite sorted the defense out but he's done it's not like he hasn't done anything o'brien's come in McCartney's come in both and expensive though Mac- McCartney and O'Brien both but then expensive if they weren't expensive people would be saying why aren't he spending money on good players if we got somebody from Division 3 we would have winched we got, got top quality defender from Andy O'Brien who for whatever reason appears to have gone off the boil do you think and we got George McCartney and we got George <laughs> McCartney <laughs> do you think there's a tactical thing here about he's blamed Grayson has blamed it on being so attacking if that's the case do we not need to balance it up a bit but then again just to answer my own point we've done that in recent weeks and we've stopped bloody scoring haven't we yeah we've stopped scoring yeah uh, I think there's there's an argument that we should balance it but then again I'd rather watch good attacking football to be honest it? when it wins it's great I mean it's great watching an exciting 4-2 win or something like that it's just that, that balance probably just needs to be aligned slightly so we still attack but 
just maybe a little bit more organised in defence. Remember last time we were here when we had Blackwell managing us, it's it's been a considerable order more fun than that was. There was a very negative feeling about it, exactly. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to actually say I heard something on I think it might have been Talksport one evening. It would have been a few weeks ago talking about Neil Warnock, and we spoke about him a little bit earlier on when we made this recording, saying that he is very much of the mind that in the uh, championship it's the wins that get you promoted so it's worth going more attacking Mm -hmm. losing one game but then winning the next rather than drawing them both because you've got two points or three and it's the difference between going up and not so is it is it worth maybe sacrificing something defensively and going gung-ho yeah definitely we're under Gary McAllister we played good football but we didn't really attack now I think we've sort of found the balance where we, we don't always play the most beautiful passing small football but we play maybe a slightly more direct more attacking and I think that that's probably won us a lot of games this year because like our, our attack, like it's been one of the best in the league. That's not a problem. It's just it's just the back we probably need to work on. There is a, a possibly a potential problem in in the balance of the squad that you don't sign or have four four or five strikers in your squad and then play one up front. So it tends yeah. to suggest that the four five one is something that was a happy accident rather than something well, that was planned. Yeah, I think it depends what he wants to go for next year because that. I personally think Sommer and Becchio, if you can get them in a 4-4-2 together, would terrify defences in the Championship. But uh, to do that, I think we need a stronger central midfielder. Because we've, we've seen all this year that whenever we've played 4-4-2, we've looked weak in central midfield. Because that's not how Johnny Allison plays. Bradley Johnson can tackle, but he's not really a proper defensive midfielder. But I think if we were to sign strong marquee signings in central midfield, we'd be able to play that 4-4-2. And then maybe, maybe we have the work the Becky and Sommer in together, which I think would be brilliant. You don't fancy his job, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Got it all planned well, out. sounds quite sensible to me. Cool, right. Thank you, George. OK, no problem. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. Take care, mate. Yes, cheers. Bye now. Bye. 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 Right, on the podcast now, we're talking to Rich Benson. Hello, Rich. Hello. Uh, you're in the northwest, then, we understand. Yeah, that's right. In uh, red country. Yeah, not uh, by choice. Yeah, well, is that, is that through uh, through relationship? or? Yeah, and uh, work. Things like that. Well, our deepest sympathies. 57 miles from the Yorkshire border, it is. <laughs> I'm glad that you know that. That actually really yeah. cheers me up. Uh, yeah. You wanted to t- tell us uh, why the season had gone downhill once Moscow stopped using meat and abattoir-based analogies here on the podcast. I'm not sure I ever used any. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you check the records, uh, there were a few uh, <laughs> a few meat references. But yeah, I mean, the season started either dipping when uh, the look of, uh, of my lucky socks ran out, um, which I've been wearing all season, or I think when uh, when Moscow stopped making uh, meat-based analogies in, uh, during the podcast. It was one of the two, I can't quite remember which. Well, Moscow will definitely blame your socks, I'm sure. Well, yeah. Um, when were your socks last in a butcher's? That's what we need to establish. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> do you rub them regularly on cutlets? Or do you yeah. Just... <laughs> um, I mean, as well, you know, of course, walking down Beeston Hill, I used to do, uh, take a detour. You'd go down Beeston Hill on the right-hand side, and we had this thing where if you took a detour and crossed over and went behind the bus stop on the left-hand side, that was working quite well for a few weeks. But then we, uh, I think we were in a rush one day, and we just went, piled it down the right-hand side. And uh, that was when he started to struggle. Or, of course, we're, you know, buying a programme from uh, from a different kiosk, <laughs> that's an effect as well. You are clearly Do you, a, a, super, a superstitious man, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, you know, you try and, you, you know, I think you do feel a bit of responsibility, don't you, when you think, oh, shit, you know, it's because, 
you know, I didn't wear that particular T-shirt. Or, you know, I uh, I, I had uh, one and a half pints as opposed to the usual three or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're right, that is the curse of the, the football fan, that you do take it personally. That you do start thinking, you know, you're, you're, to, done. you're to blame, don't you? Right. It's so sad that we actually believe it, and you can't a little bit if he does, even if you know it's nonsense. It was previously with me, it wasn't actually meat-related, it was chip butty-related. I used to always go to the furthest chip van, um, Dickinson's by Car Park D, um, right by the railway line, he used to get the bus to the terminal and walk all the way along Elland Road, get a chip butty and walk back. And then I stopped that shortly before relegation from the Premier League. It was actually at the point where they recognised me when they saw me on telly in a, in a crowd shot. <laughs> That's how much of a regular I was. But I, I stopped short of buying meat from there. Chips were nice. But... I think uh, I think Mr Grayson's quite superstitious as well, isn't he? So, uh... There's been talk of a pen, hasn't there? A pen? He, he, a bowl's pen. A, a what pen? A bull's pen, did you just say? A boy's pen. Bo- boy's oh, pen, boy. right, sorry, yeah. I'm not sure he's got a pen of boys at his, <laughs> at his house. Their looks certainly run out if he's got a cage of boys. But no, it was a ballpoint. <laughs> he, he claimed he had a, a lucky pen that he was using to make notes in every game. Um, and then he kind of followed it up by saying, I'm not a superstitious man, but... <laughs> <laughs> We're superstitious enough that he thinks McCormack's unlucky and never plays him, so maybe you're right. I always wonder what they're, what they're writing. I mean, I noticed that in the Reading game, I think it wasn't just McDermott, all his assistants were writing little notes as well. You know. Sudoku, I think. I was just thinking the same thing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen that fame? They, they zoomed in on um, Paul Lintz. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and he was writing, shoot, in yeah. massive letters across the top of his <laughs> So I don't think it's much that's complicated. So uh, actually, back on point then, on topic, what, what do you reckon to this season then? Good, bad, indifferent? Well, I mean, you know, even within uh, 24 hours of yesterday's horror show, you know, I think it's we've sort of been dissected a lot from uh, a lot of things I've read. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to come up with an original thought, isn't it? I think, you know, the reality is after the first game of the season, I think people wouldn't have predicted that we've, we'd end up in the top in the top ten, I think, you know, my opinion is that, I mean, I've seen every team in the in the league and I think we found our true level. You know, I've been saying for the past few weeks that, you know, when people said to me, well, will you go up? Well, I know it's always the best three teams that go up, but I don't think anyone could fairly say that we're within the best three teams. And it just so happens that we found our level probably at the end as opposed to earlier on. I mean, if we'd have had a crappy run at the first half of the season and then picked up and ended up where we are, then people would have been a lot happier. So it's probably it's probably about right where we're going to finish. I think the one thing that worries me is the lack of strategy and the number of people we've had through and the signings we've made. And, you know, you just think, you know, Jake Livermore, you know, why? That sums, it, sums him up very well. I wonder if his parents feel the same. <laughs> so what well, about, yeah, um... I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's a nice lad, but, you know, he's just been... Uh, thrown into into our situation I don't think it was ever going to work and you know I don't know about the scouting I mean you look at numerous examples look at Mr Bassoni who came in three year contract and then what was it half a dozen games in he had that disaster at Barnsley and, and that's it you know I mean he's still got, got two years left on his contract but maybe I mean we're all short termists aren't we let's be honest there's a, a lot of short termism and the uh, the age in which we live where everything is uh, is analysed to the nth degree, you know, and you, you know what it's like. You do the podcast, and it's it's almost obsolete by the time uh, by the time it's listened to. But you do worry, and I don't think it's our club, but the, you worry about at the short termist approach that that we take, um, and I think we're we're guilty of that. You know, the number of people. One of the concerns I've got about our club now is the people we've got around who are going to be on contracts, who for one reason or another are, uh, have been pushed to the margins. You know, we're going to get a lot of people leaving at the end of this season, and we're left with. Uh, 
a lot of members of the playing staff, you think of people like Bromby, Bruce, Connolly, Bassoni, who are on contracts, who, you know, it's probably already been shown to them by the, the management that they don't have a long-term future at the club. I think that's, that's probably my worry, thinking about my club. Right, Rich, thank you very much for taking part. It's been fantastic. Oh, it's been an honour and a privilege talking to you, chaps. Thank you, Rich. Thank you very much for taking the trouble. Pleasure was ours. Cheers, Cheers mate. Cheers. Bye. 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 On the line now, Craig Pritchard, and you are in the south of the country, Craig. Yes, that is indeed correct. Currently living in Charlton in the uh, southeast of London. So yesterday's trip was uh, a fairly easy one for me uh, compared to most Leeds fans. Short trip, but a disappointing trip then, no doubt. Uh, a painful journey home, even though it was probably one of the shortest journeys for most Leeds fans. Just completely and utter frustration yesterday. Just expected a lot more from the team after seeing them play against Reading on Friday and just the way we completely stopped Reading. We expected to, uh, shall we say, have an easy three points, but we were playing relegation-threatened teams and Leeds never do do it the easy way. So It's not been our forte this season, has it? No, it's not, but I think you can go back to uh, the Sheffield United game uh, away and it just seems to have We've fallen flat on our feet since then. Fair enough, we got a resounding win against Forrest, which I was at. But I think before the sending off, Forrest had been on, on top of that first half hour in that game. But Grayson obviously had a really strong word with them at half-time and got them fired up and got them going. That's been happening a lot lately, that we've had rubbish first halves and then good second halves. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a trait this season. I don't know what, what it is, they just can't seem to get going. and it's it's... Especially at Palace when we conceded after two minutes. Well, it, it was the same at Millwall. We came out really flat and there didn't seem to be any tempo or any structure across the midfield. And I kind of understood the reasoning behind starting Livermore in that game because Millwall have got a really tall, strong midfield and we thought that Bannon and Kilkenny would just get bossed off the ball. But Livermore was really ineffective in that game and it, it just didn't work. Do you think there's a motivation problem? hard to say because it's not like we're not scoring goals it, it seems to be the lack of confidence in defense and, and it's not just blaming the defenders I think it's coming from the midfield as well we we seem to be overbossed or overplayed and or we can't sort out some kind of formation where we've we've got somebody that can hold like last season we we got um Mickey Doyle on loan for the whole season and he just seemed to be that kind of holding guy that broke everything down and then left the others to be able to play the game the water so, carrier, the water carrier. Yeah, we haven't really had that, that opportunity this year for someone to kind of take that mantle. And I thought that Bannon would have been a good signing coming in. And, and especially after Grayson had said that I'm not going to rush myself in the loan market. We're not going to buy in January. Well, one, one, thing he didn't, one thing he didn't do was rush, God. Yeah, definitely. And it, the, the question was, I'm only going to take on talent that is better than what we've got in the squad. Now, if you're bringing players in that are better than who you've currently got, surely they should be in the starting lineup or playing regularly rather than sitting on the bench not doing a lot and getting paid more than quite a lot of the squad that are currently at the, at the club. Yeah, the disappearance of Bannon has been a bit of a strange one, hasn't it? Because he looked like Super Kilkenny or Kilkenny version, <laughs> version 4 or 5, but just played him on the wing against Derby and then he's just not appeared since. No, I didn't understand that at all because Bannon's not a winger, and he was neither Johnny House. And <laughs> yes, yeah, Johnny just the seems. Game. I don't know what what it is. Johnny just fades in and out, and I think everyone's talked about this all season about him just suddenly just disappears in games. So do you think we'd have benefited from rotating House in a bit just to keep him fresh? And uh... um, I think so. It, maybe it was just Grayson wasn't unsure about who should captain the side. Maybe with. 
club captain Naylor being out and obviously Paddy being injured all year. I, I'm not sure who he thinks might be good enough to have that kind of leading role on the pitch. George McCartney. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is very true. Yeah, we've got a distinct lack of leaders. But again, this was identified last year and it goes back to the problem of not addressing it in the summer, doesn't it? Whoever thought that we'd be bemoaning not replacing Mickey Doyle. <laughs> but it has kind of turned out to be true. That that's what we, we've been looking for. And not Although getting. he's not bossing midfields for uh, Sheffield United. Yeah, but Sheffield it? United don't use midfield. True. They just lump it past midfield. We've just got to get a, um, a resounding win now against Burnley or at least a really strong performance, especially with being the last game of the season at home. Are you still quite optimistic? Do you think we can sneak into the playoffs? Are you that lone voice of <laughs> the um, belief? Well, before we played Reading and Palace, I still believed we were going to do it. And I have a bizarre... I had, I had a feeling that we'd, we'd draw with Reading. Um, I thought it would be a score draw, considering there'd been 150 goals scored between the two teams before <laughs> before the game uh, happened. And then I thought Crystal Palace will struggle, but we'll, we'll manage to nick it. And we'll draw against Burnley, but then we'll beat QPR and wipe, smile off, warn off the face. <laughs> it's very typically leads that run of uh, scores, actually. That run of results, very much so. Well, it, it, it may turn out that QPR, we've got nothing to play and and then maybe that'll be it. It's pressure's off the, and, and then we get a result and we actually play well. Whether it's the pressure that's getting to them because it's that close and we've been in, in the playoffs for the last six months and we're up in second early January. I think it's that kind of expectation by the fans and everyone has just risen so steeply because of doing and overachieving so much better than, than was ever expected and we were hoping not to be anywhere near a relegation scrap. So. Right, Craig, thank you very much. Not a problem. Always a pleasure. Yeah, very much enjoyed your input. Thanks for uh, taking part. Uh, most definitely. We'll see you later. Okay. All the best. Cheers. Bye, bye. Take it easy. Well, after that mammoth section of the Square Ball podcast, we will do the final part for you now. Game's coming up and there are only two left. Do we suspect there will be two or three more games after that? Or are we now saying hand on heart that that's the end of the season pretty much? Two games left. Yeah, it feels over to me. This is just almost playing for pride, especially on Saturday. Burnley game, I think the way the last couple of games have been, we need big performance and, a, and we need to batter the... Dingles? Yes. It'd be nice to get a win, but you can see us almost getting that win and then going into the final day, needing something from QPR because it's still within reach. You know, It'll be within three points and we'll be relying on other people. And, and then fluking it. But you, know, then... you, you never know. <laughs> and then it'll all turn on its head. Do you honestly think... I mean, we have done stupid things before and taking so, it so of Nottingham Forest as well that's true so there's always an outside chance but heart and head two different things yeah I think I mean coming out of the derby match I pretty much thought playoffs was, wasn't going to happen I just had a feeling that we weren't going to be sharp enough and um, and yeah I can't I can't really see us beating QPR on the last day I just hope we well they will Burnley. be up by then so that's the only major bonus I think about the yeah, fact yeah but Warren will have them pumped Against Leeds, won't it? And apparently, they had the the football league trophy was at their match yesterday. Just and, in case. Yeah. But he said he wanted, even if they went up as champions yesterday, he wanted it. He wanted game. it on the last game, which I think is more of a Leeds thing. Oh my, I just got a chip on my yeah, shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Warnock, Warnock or no Warnock, it's still it should time. be the last players game. will mentally yeah, yeah. be on holiday, yeah. so there, there is a chance that we can go there and and, and get something because we outplayed them uh, earlier on we in did, the season. Yeah. So mm. maybe you know this happens to be one of those teams that we can really yeah. get something out of and. I think was... just the Palace game, it's more the performance than the result. Had we played like we did against Reading and lost, mm. there at least was some fight in there and it was a deflected goal that we lost yeah. to. It's just 
the performance wasn't there. I think the, the other worry might be that if the QPR players have gone on holiday that, by that point, we need to make sure that ours haven't gone with them. Well, my, <laughs> my fear is that they already have. Yeah, yeah it, it could well be that they feel a bit like I do, that it's a bit of a lost course now and just no matter what Sam Grayson says about still being in mathematically with a chance that they'll just be the same sort of be Big performance against Burnley because it's home crowd, QPR, probably going to be a nice day, toss it off. Well, I I, had, I tweeted Tom Kerwin um, after he got back from Crystal Palace and asked him about the mood in the camp and he was sort of saying that whilst the players are still talking up, going for it, probably realistically underneath that, they realise that the chance is probably now gone. Yeah. At least That's it won't, it won't uh, draw out the pain much longer. We won't have to, <laughs> I'm quite relieved that the, well, that we're probably not going to have the, the hassle and the Heart troubles sick. of the playoffs. Well, is there a, almost um, a positive, if we can look at it like that, to be gained from not being in the playoffs? Obviously, you'd always like to be in them because it gives you a chance of promotion. However, if we were to go in them and lose, the damage it could do mentally to what appears to be a mentally fragile squad and they always talk as well about the the time to prepare for next season so we could basically as soon as we're unable to get in the place we can start now but if you're still in with the hope of the players you've got an extra fortnight while everyone else is signing players we don't know which division you're going to be in you don't know how much money you're going to have um and people said that affected blackpool going up that they couldn't do anything because they suddenly found themselves in the premier league but two weeks behind everybody else so it may be better in the long run if we just take this one on the chin, I was going to say don't <laughs> don't compete. But, um, I don't think we'd stand for that. Yeah, I mean, but a sellout crowd on Saturday against Burnley. There needs to be a good performance to turn round the performance on against Palace. Yeah, and also the last few months of the season, we need a one last yeah. hurrah. And that's the last home game, and there's generally a lap of honour. If we lose that, I could see it being a, a lap of dishonour and disorder. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember um, was it ninety five, ninety six. When we finished the season pretty badly, and I can't remember who we played, but there was half the crowd had already left by the final whistle, um, and those that did stay half were booed. Well, and the players didn't really back. come out, and it wasn't a lap; it was more of a half a cir- semicircle of a quick yeah. cursory way. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that was off the back of the League Cup defeat. Wasn't it was, it? yeah. So but kind of understand. We haven't had that bad a season. Yeah, but you know what? Relatively speaking, we've done all right, as everyone said. We've yeah. done all right in the grand scheme of things. It's been a bit disappointing to go higher and then drop, but it's been all right. So. I'd give them all the round of applause at yeah. the end of Saturday, apart from Bloody McCartney. You can fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's draw a line under that there. We, there's not a lot more we can say because we're not quite sure which lead is going to turn up. We're not quite sure how it's going to pan out. And we're never any good at predictions anyway. No, we're those yeah. we're two seasons to so, If there is to be a playoff run, we will cover it in the next podcast anyway. Otherwise, it will be the end of season review. Can't wait. Yeah, a joyous affair. Now, it's been all right as this season, so a general polite thumbs up. Uh, any other business to cover before we uh, we head off this time? There's a magazine coming out. Is there? Yes, Possibly there is. not, if we don't finish it inside. Well, yeah, by the time this podcast um, makes it to air... Uh, the magazine should be away, finished and printed, where we, I am finishing it off uh, as soon as I get Tonight. home yes, from this, this podcast recording, so wish me luck. We're all right there with you. We'll, 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 we'll not with you. But we're not actually coming with you to help in any real way. Form, but, um, yeah, we've done all that. Where are we going for a pint, actually? Are we? Yes, all things yeah. being equal, the magazine will be on sale uh, at Ellen Road. And for... it's not just any old magazine. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, it'll be on sale against Burnley, but tell them about the magazine. Tell them how special it is. How many pages are there this time? How many pages do we normally have? Uh, we manage 48 pages for a pound. Well, this time there isn't one page. <laughs> <laughs> There's not two pages for a pound. This could drag on. Not three pages. 
Edit, edit, yes. We have a full 64, full colour pages. Full colour. How much? Well, surely we'll be charging more if there's no, 64 we won't, pages. No, we will still be charging a pound. A pound for 64 pages? Well, surely you've just padded it out with adverts and pictures, like in the programme. <laughs> <laughs> Let's um, stop this horrendously cheesy sales pitch. But yeah, 64 page, full colour special for the last game of the and it's, season. It's full of it's plenty of things to actually read, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, loads it's... of content. All sorts of great bits and bobs in there. Part three of the fantastic letter from 1992. That's the third and final part of that. We won't tell you how it ends. Yeah. It's, it's it's a gripper. It's a nail <laughs> nail biter. Yeah, Paul Gill's uh, letter to his friend in Australia who'd gone travelling in the pre-internet, pre-email days, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's a great read. Moscow, you are covering uh, Ken Bates' takeover as oh, well with yes. part two of 2004-2005 and complimentary about the whole thing. Generally. Yes, it, well, it's um, it was very strange, did you be, know. Uh, very strange to be writing all that and thinking, yeah, most people were pretty happy. Glad to see the back of Krasner and here comes a guy who uh, who knows about football, who made a lot of money, blunt, to the point, rude. Horrible, <laughs> some people might say. Horrible. But um, he seems to be um, exactly what we needed and it was like a high point it was you know the rubbish on the pitch could basically be ignored because there was some hope that we finally had some competence off it and the cover story this is brilliant we mentioned it last time on the podcast Noel Whelan interview and it is a whopper it's about four and a half thousand words it covers eight pages but it's worth every single word that we've put into that don't uh, skip any of it it's worth a pound all on its own yeah it is really really good if you thought Alan Smith was portrayed as Mr. Leeds. Wait till you read Noel Whelan. It's absolutely brilliant. He, he was loves... never particularly being portrayed as Mr. Leeds. I think we all knew he was a fan and came up through the, the youth ranks and were sorry to see him go. I don't think anybody quite suspected that he was um, as devoted to uh, to Leeds United as he remains. But... I mean, we, we, we did mention, didn't we, on the previous podcast that he went out shopping in Coventry um, with his shirt on. His lead shirt. Sorry, he went out and bought one, didn't he? Yes, he bought one in Coventry City Centre, put it on and was wandering around. And when he much, was at, at Coventry, which is absolutely great. pleasure of the uh, people of Coventry. <laughs> and honestly, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more. Uh, so do get your mitts on that down at Ellen Road on Saturday against Burnley. For how much? One earth pound. How many pages? 64. And, and where can you buy it? Uh, from the external corners of the ground and, of course, online via the squareball.net. That's providing Michael comes back from Spain and joins me selling that on Saturday at Ellen Road. Yeah. He, w- he will be back on pain yeah. of death. We also have a player-by-player player review Yeah, our in our one. usual sarcastic tone. End of season awards, there in there End of season well. award, pretty sarcastic. We've got an article about the reserves, the, yeah. the passing of the reserve league. I'd, I'm going to buy three copies <laughs> and not buy a programme. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, if you want to catch up with all the stuff that we've been doing online as well, have a look at the blog. That's also at thesquareball.net. And let's wrap it up. It's been most emotional. It's been enjoyable. Um, it's been better without Michael, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Imagine how it would have dragged if he'd been here. He was still drunk as normal. But, yeah. but at least we haven't had to suffer the sexism, the homophobia, mm. yeah. the racism, all that, you know, the, all, the, all the hateful stuff that he normally... And the stink being sick in a well. corner. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. Yeah, so he'll be back <laughs> next time anyway. He'll probably kill us when he hears that. So uh, we look forward to speaking to him then. Uh, bye from me. Goodbye from... Well, I normally go to Michael at this point, so that's confused me. Uh, Moscow White. Goodbye. And from Oddie. Goodbye. We will be back in a fortnight. Let's see if it's the last podcast of the season. Let's hope not, because you never know. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.